Thank you, Mary. And thank you, everybody, for having me back again. Uh, to finish, I made sure that my internet was working. I made sure my bills were paid. Uh, my Wi-Fi is all good. So my batteries are charged. We're good to go. Um, yeah, Kato, oh, just sit down. Sorry, my cat's sitting on my lap. And I don't know. He's just doing cat stuff. So you may see him walk through here every now and then. Um, sure, people understand that. Um, yeah, so um, I had basically gotten through uh, my childhood, basically. I mean, my childhood was nothing special. It was, I mean, it was a normal, I had a normal childhood overall. And I had uh, uh, foster parents that I lived with. Um, I lived with foster parents from about five years old until I aged out of the system in Cleveland, Ohio. What they call aging out of the system is... I turned 18 and I was no longer a foster child and I no longer got, um, you know, money from the county to, to help pay for my food and, and uh, you know, housing and everything. So clothing and that. So anyway, so I aged out of the system and, and, but my foster family never treated me anything different, anything other than that as I was their son, you know, I never felt, I never felt from them anyway, any way, uh, like I didn't belong, but I felt like I didn't belong, you know, from my own brain, you know, I have felt shame and guilt and, uh, all these things. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in, you know, it's kind of a feeling I always describe it as when I was younger and I was always trying to fit in or trying to always figure out, I just felt awkward, you know, and these feelings were probably normal, maybe. I don't know. A lot of people feel that whether they're alcoholics or not, but something in me has the addictive gene, if you will, and addictive personality. I've heard it called all of those things. And I know I have it, whatever it is, it's, I have it. And I can tell you for sure, that I got to go to these meetings and I got to do the things that are suggested and, uh, or I'm screwed um, because I was screwed uh, when I didn't, when I was inactive addiction. Uh, it was um, horrible. And um, I don't wish it on anybody. Um, and I wish a lot of things on a lot of people that I don't like. But that's, you know, something I have to take inventory of myself on and deal with. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, I, uh, I'm as addicted and I always say this, I'm as addicted to approval as I am to alcohol and drugs, you know. Uh, I want people to like me and I would do almost anything to get that. Um, just like the drugs and alcohol, because again, I felt this feeling of shame and guilt and uh, just, just unbelonging my, I mean, it's as long as back far back as I can remember. And a long time ago, I started to do whatever uh, to make sure that people liked me and, uh, um, when alcohol and I felt uncomfortable already. And then when I tried to fit in, you know, and changed who I was and I never really know who I was, um, it, it just became a total mess. You know, my whole life just became a mess. And, uh, the reality was I was too young to understand, uh, the mental changes and what life was, was, was handing me. And I didn't have anybody you know, holding my hand along the way. You know, I've learned all of this now, 
you know, I go to CODA and I go to Al-Anon, I go to AA, I go to, I go to a lot of different 12-step groups, but just through my own reading and talking to my counselor and, you know, all these things, I've learned that, you know, uh, oh my God, nobody told you that? I hear that so many times. You didn't know that, you know? You mean you didn't know, you know? And I'm like, I'm in my 50s and I'm like, holy crap, I, I feel like I'm just growing up, you know? So if you're, if you're new here now and you're you know, not in your 50s, um, there's nothing wrong if you are, don't get me wrong, but if you're not, just stay here and start from this point, you know, don't wait until it's too late. But um, so I, I got, I started this journey and uh, oh my God, I start, I got sober, physically sober in July of 1991. Um, and, um, but before that, excuse me, I, fin- I spent quite a few years um it's just in and out of treatment and, you know, just revolving door. I didn't want to do it. Um, I had um, lived with my parents and I had come back from going to art school in Pittsburgh. Uh, that's where I went to art school and after high school and uh, I drank all through art school, all through college. If you want to call it college, it was more of a trade school than anything. Um, so I drank all through that and got high all through that, but I was, I guess I was good enough. I did just enough to get by, as I, I had talked about before. Uh, I could do what I do, high and drunk, and and still, you know, get a good grade. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have that skill, you know. Um, but I always think of how good I really could be if I really would have put forward 100% effort, you know. And I really try to put forth 100% effort nowadays since I've been in the program. Um so anyway, I uh, came back from college. Um, my drinking just con- just continued to you know escalate and progress. You know my addiction and my alcoholism progressed, and um, my maladaptive coping mechanisms uh, just kept on chugging along, and uh, I didn't understand them at the time. And um, you know, there you go. That that's the, the perfect mixture for. Uh, you know, uh, rampant alcoholism and, and self-will run, run amok, as it says in the big book, you know, I don't know. I don't understand all of that, but whatever. Um, I think that um, if I was selfish, it was not malicious. You know, it was not, you know, it was not evil and trying to get over on people. It was just like, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what I didn't know. You know? And uh, so I don't beat myself up. You got to be gentle with yourself in this program. I mean, we have this illness, disease, if you want to call it that. I know allergies sometimes used. Uh, I don't know. I just know that when I ingest alcohol or drugs, I I don't know what's going to happen. And I can't stop. You know, I can't stop. And I'm that way with shopping. I'm that way with, uh, if I get into gambling, I probably would be that, that way. I'm that way with almost anything. When I think about it, I've been to SLAA, uh, SA, I've been to all the S groups, you know, the Sex Addicts Anonymous and Slaw and all that. It's the same thing. So I can't, if I find something that, that triggers and gives me like a dopamine hit um, and I just can't stop, you know, I know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm going to be off and running. I can't tell you what's going to happen or when it's going to end. It, I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to be in jail or, you know, uh, that's, that's pretty it, you know, 
um, or back in some type of treatment center if I get arrested, you know, if it's been arrested. Um, so yeah, um, I've been to treatment. Uh, my family tricked me into that. I think I talked about that the last time I was here before my, uh, my internet went out on me the last time I was doing this lead share, whatever people call it. Um, you know, my, my family, my sister and my father told me we were going out. They didn't tell me where we were going. And I was kind of half hung over from, you know, probably a week of using and he took me to a treatment center, you know, and, um, and, you know, they walked out the door and left me there. And I was surprised. I was like, whoa, they had to trick me into going to treatment. You know, they didn't even have an intervention. They just like fooled me into it. Like, you know, I love cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers are one of my favorite foods. You know, it was like they took a cheeseburger and they threw it in the door and I ran in after it and they slammed the door. You know, they had to do that. Like treat me like a, like trying to catch a cat, like a stray cat or something, you know, in a cage. That's how messed up I was. It wasn't even a matter of talking to me and saying, hey, we think you got a problem. Maybe you should go to treatment. No, uh-uh, no. They had to trick me into it. Um, so, yeah, that was that's pretty sad. Um, and I was a very sad drunk, too. Uh, I never was a... I never was in fights and all that stuff. I never was in... I didn't all that stuff. I was a loner. I just wanted to be left alone and be high and leave me alone and I could zone out and listen to music and, you know what I mean, do my thing. And, um, but it got to a point where it, it, you think it doesn't touch other people when you're doing what you're doing, but you're touching a lot of people's lives. You know, we're all in inter so interconnected. We don't even realize how interconnected we are. You know, when we're getting drunk and high, there's other people that are being affected by it in our lives, you know? Um, and I just didn't realize, you know, but of course I realized it once I started doing the things like breaking into houses and stealing money from my grandmother and you know, my grandma kept all her money in tube socks. And I was, you know, so I would steal money out of her tube socks and when she lived in the Southern part of the United States here and Mississippi, and we lived in Ohio and she would stay down there in the winter and come here in the summer because it was so hot down there. So she didn't believe in banks. She kept all her money in tube socks and a little gym bag. And so, you know, I, I figured that out quickly. And uh, that was the, that was the time of uh, the crack epidemic. And uh, yeah, so, so they, I did that. So I'm a thief and I lied about it. And, um, and I, I never, when people would say that to me early in sobriety, well, you're a thief and you're a liar. And you're, you know, I'm like, what? Fuck you. You know, but it's like, once I started to do my steps and I started to get into my fourth step and I was writing all these things out and it was like, I would see it. I'm like, wow. You know, it's like my mind wouldn't let me accept that I had done these things, you know, and there was so much shame and guilt in it. And I already felt the shame and guilt already, but, you know, um, doing the, 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 the things like, you know, stealing and getting high and, all of that just worsened it. And um, it took me a while to be able to figure out that I needed more than just AAs. Go to meetings and pray and, you know, talk to your sponsor and sponsor people. And uh, you know what I mean? I needed a little more than that, you know? And uh, 
early sobriety in AA was, for me was uh, very traditional. Uh, I used to believe that there was a deity in the sky, and I believed that because that's what my parents told me. You know, I didn't know about thinking for myself and uh, in, investigating. You know, uh, and it wasn't until I started doing that I stopped going to AA for a while now, uh, for a while because it just didn't sit well with me. You know, the praying, and I was praying, and I was picking people up and taking them to meetings, and I was being active, and um, I used to go to dances and stuff. I was very active in AA and um, help them, you know, coordinate things for that. And, but um, uh, I just always felt, I still felt that, you know, what I now know is depression, anxiety and depression. And, uh, you know, they wanted to give me drugs and the people in the meetings uh, or like poo-pooing on that a bit, you know, and, uh, these old timers were, you know, very fundamentalist, you know, you need to pray harder and you need to pray on it. And, and I would talk, I was talking about it. It wasn't like I wasn't bringing it up, you know, I was doing the best that I knew to do. And, uh, you know, so I just got tired of it and I stopped going. I just stopped going. So I'm done, you know, about, I don't know, five, between five and seven years. And I think I just stopped slowly tra trailed off and stopped going. I was just out of my own. I just said, you know what? I'm going to not pick up. The f they, they told me, don't pick up the first drink and you won't get drunk. So I took that with me and I, I'm out, you know, and that's where I did. I just left and I didn't drink. I stayed physically sober, mentally sober. I was all over the place. I was a mess. And uh, I started going, I started looking at, at the internet and I started eating and I started, I mean, you name it. I was addiction. That's why I say I'm a person in recovery because I could go to any 12-step group and just fit right in. And part of my story would probably align with, with whatever meeting it is. Um, so, anywho, so I went to treatment and um, I, uh, uh, what happened was I had stopped going to meetings and um, I have a good friend, whose name is Dennis, he wouldn't mind me saying that because you guys will probably never meet him. Um, he's in the program now, so. Uh, he and I have about the same amount of time sober, and uh, we started going to meetings again. It's like, let's go to some meetings, you know? And I said, all right. So I went back to the meetings, and I thought maybe they've changed a bit, you know what I mean? Now, in this time, I had started to back away from religion and believing that there was a God, and, you know, I started to read, like, Richard Dawkins and Daniel Dennett and, you know, uh, you know those guys and going to Four Horsemen on, the, on YouTube is one of those videos I started watching, and you know, listen to reading. I started to read and investigate things. And I found out there's more than one God. There's like a thousand gods if you're in this religion. And there's this God if you're in that religion. You know, uh, on and on. And um, so anyway, I thought maybe A is up updated since then. Because I had stopped going for like 11 years or so. And um, so I went back and um, it was all the same shit. I'm like, holy crap. They're still talking, they're still using the same book. Like they haven't updated it or in the back at least or something. Is there an addendum now or there was nothing. It was like, holy crap, you know? And so I started to look around um, for some agnostic meetings. Like maybe there's some agnostic meetings, you know? And I found one agnostic meeting on way on the other side of town from where I live. And I went to it and I went to it every week. <laughs> I didn't care how far it was. I was going to that meeting. 
And once I went to an agnostic meeting, I found out I'm like, this is this is where I need to be. You know, um, I didn't have that that funky feeling anymore of trying to trying to censor everything that was read and and edit, you know, and in my mind and okay, this really means this and I can twist it this way and do that. And and um man, it was just so comfortable to just go and just be with people that had uh the like mind, you know, of you know, if you believe in God, okay. Okay. If that's what you need to stay sober and you believe that, that's great. I don't, you know, and I'm not against it. I'm not against, I used to be like when I first backed away from religion, I was a, uh, I was a, this rabid, you know, firebrand atheist. I was, oh my God. And, um, but I, I realized that, you know what, I can't, that's not good for me because that's not good for my, uh, my alcoholism. That's not good for my addiction to hold those resentments is not good. That's something that's in the big book, you know, uh, and, and there's, and I realized I could go through the big book and pull out the good parts. I can mine it for, you know, the good, there's a few good things in there. If you think about it, you know, and, uh, so I just hold my nose and I go through the big book and, you know, highlight the parts that are good for me, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I came back and, um, I found agnostic groups and, uh, Man, everything was fantastic. I, I found an agnostic group closer to my home. Um, and I got in with that group and I helped start some meetings there. You know, we had, there was only one meeting a week. It was on a Saturday morning. And we were all stuffed in this library, this little library in Lakewood, Ohio. And um, there was just people who were out in the hallways because there were so many people who wanted these agnostic meetings, you know, and they would just be sitting out in the hallways listening and commenting out there, you know, and it was just so awesome to see this grow, you know. And um, I went out and led at uh, just traditional meetings, you know, and I've had people stand up and say, I'm glad my a guy stood up at one meeting. This wasn't my lead. It was a friend of mine named Billy. We I went out to support him and a guy stood up and said, um, I'm glad my son wasn't here. He was going to come with me. He didn't hear these words you're talking about not believing in God. And you got to have God to stay sober. And if you don't have God, you're going to drink again. And he was like, really like, whoa, you know. And um, I stood up and I, I stood up for my friend. And that felt good for me to, to stand up and say, you know what? I've been sober X amount of years. And I'm here to say, you don't need God. If you believe in God, wonderful. If you need to use that, absolutely. I'm with you. Go for it. I'll even say the prayers with you, but I don't believe, you know, in a deity. I don't believe there's an invisible man in the sky that's controlling everything that I do and say, I'm sorry. Uh, so, and I sat down and uh, people came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for that. And they believed in God and they, you know what I mean? They, so it's just like there's, there's the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know what I mean? There's always somebody that's got to, you know, make a ruckus or something. I don't know. I felt very proud of myself to be able to do that. And, um, and I, I don't, I don't silence my, my opinion on that anymore in AA because there's always, you don't know who's in the audience and who's, who's thinking, you know, man, I got to swallow all of this stuff, you know? And it's like, the truth is you don't, you know, you can, you can write your own steps if you want, you know, it's just the principles behind them that you got to stick to, you know, you make up your own higher power. You can have no higher power. I know people who've never read their books. And they've been sober, you know, and 
the quality of your sobriety is up to uh, the amount of work that you put into it, you know, and it's completely up to you, you know, completely up to you. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, <clears throat> be gentle with yourself, you know, don't beat yourself up. We've been beating ourselves up with alcohol and drugs long enough. So we can stop doing that shit now. Don't come in here and start beating yourself up again. Oh, I got to get these steps done. Oh, oh, I didn't do my fourth step. Oh, oh, no, no, no. It's not about that. You know, chill out, chill out. Come in and laugh. Have some fun. Listen to some music, you know, and work a little bit on your fourth step. Yeah, if you want to do it, you should do it. I don't know. I did it. If you came to me and asked me to sponsor you, I would say, here's what I did. This is called self-help. This whole thing is called self-help. You know, if you want to get better, you know, you put in the work that you feel like you want to put into it to get better. You know, then you know, you'll get the growth that, that you put into it. So other than that, just come hang out and be in the meetings if you want, because that's all you really have to do if you want to stay sober and not use drugs anymore. It's not pick up the first drink, drug or whatever your advice is, and you won't get drunk. You know, from there, it's up to you. So, thank you for letting me have a second chance at this. Um, and maybe I'll throw out a topic. Um, um, yeah, do you believe in powerlessness? You think you're powerless over alcohol and your life has become unmanageable? Some people don't believe in powerlessness. Um, so anyway, here, take that. Ha-ha. And I'll be quiet. Thank you again, Mary, for letting me redo this.